Live from the Old Church Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. For months before I retired, I was really looking forward to getting out in my backyard with my coffee. Oopsie doopsie, let's start over. That's not good. How's that? I was really looking forward to getting out into my backyard with my coffee, my book, and my dog. I, the outdoors had always been salvation for me ever since I was a child. I grew up in a very violent, dysfunctional home, uh, arguing, yelling, screaming, beating, verbal abuse. And I learned at a very early age to keep quiet to not make noise, to stay under the radar. And it's always amazed me when I meet people who seem to disturb others without compunction. I also, because I was so, um, such a fearful, fearful child, I became known as the one who had the problem, as the one who was unstable, as the one who needed to be taken care of. So I escaped all of that by being outdoors as much as possible. I grew up in a very small town, and it was easy for me to get out in the country and take long walks. I would go to the woods, I would hide out in the cornfields, and it was my salvation. So when retirement finally came, that's what I did. I headed for the outdoors. It was the 4th of July, 2014, <clears throat> and I went out to my patio under the chestnut trees with my coffee and my book and my dog. It's a beautiful day, and the sunlight created these dappled patterns on the patio. Um, there was a slight breeze, the birds were singing, and I just like, oh, I love retirement, finally, peace. And then I heard it, boom, 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 this horrible bass sound, the kind, you know, that just shakes your bones, and goes into your brain, you know, and I went immediately from my prefrontal cortex to my limbic system. All neurons were fired. I needed that sound to stop because I felt invaded and I did not feel safe. As soon as I realized that it wasn't a car that was just driving by, but the music was continuing, I went to the front of my house and I discovered to my absolute horror that it was coming from the house across the street. Oh my gosh. The occupant of that house had been one elderly gentleman for years, for the 18 years that my husband and I had lived in the neighborhood, we had a decent relationship with this man. But recently, his two sons moved in. They took over the whole situation. We hardly ever saw the old man anymore. So I went and got Willie, my husband, and I said, would you come with me across the street? Because I thought that they would respect him more than me. So we went across the street, uh, Michael's on the front porch, and Willie said, Michael, would you turn your music down? It's really loud. And he looked at us and he said, I'm not bothering anybody. And Willie said, well, I'm somebody. Mary's somebody. Yeah, you're, you're bothering us. And he just said again, I'm not bothering anybody, which was his way of saying, you're nobody, and I really don't care. And I said, Michael, please. Just turn your music down. Just turn your music down. And he said, it's not my music. It's the people's music. <laughs> what do you say? I was just like, N -n -n not my people's music. Not this person. It's not my music. 
And he said, look, it's the 4th of July. We're getting ready for a party. We just want to enjoy the day. You know, we just want to party. And I thought, oh, okay, we'll let it go. The 4th of July. We were leaving anyway. We were going to spend the 4th of July with friends. So I thought, we can, I can handle this for a few hours. The problem was that on the 5th of July, <laughs> the scenario was the same. I had my patio time invaded by the people's music. <laughs> and when I headed across the street, it was the same bullshit. He really didn't care. Not only that, he told me that uh, he had a new sound system with five surround speakers with surround sound and subwoofers, and he was going to play his music whenever he wanted, as loud as he wanted. So I thought, I started across the street, and I thought, oh my God, this is the new normal. This is going to be the new normal. <clears throat> so what I ended up doing, oh, yeah, this was an, another little thing that he gave me that morning. As I was crossing a back across the street, he launched the first missile. He threw a, a hard, uh, excuse me, a, a, a raw egg at me. It just missed me, landed in the street, splat. I'm like, we are officially at war. <laughs> But as I examined my, my weapons of war, I realized my arsenal was so limited and very ineffective. Okay, I had the power of the police, which proved to be pretty powerless when it came to the noise ordinance in Portland. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with it. Oh my gosh. I called them so many times at so many hours of the day that I had them on my speed dial and I developed a personal relationship with those people that were on police dispatch. Oh, it's Mary again. But, and they required, every time you call, they're required to answer the call. But usually it would take at least an hour, sometimes two hours, and all they would basically do was just drive by slowly. Every now and then they would go up to the front door and knock on their door and say, turn your music down, which they would do for a few minutes until the police left. Okay, so my second weapon in my arsenal was my neighbors. <clears throat> so I, I worked up all these flyers with the number of the police dispatch on it, asking them, please, please call, and please call a lot, you know, because I thought maybe that would get more response. And I also said, would you please go across the street and, and talk to these guys and tell them that this is really bothering them, because bothering you because they might think it's just me, an old lady who is totally uncool. Well, I don't, didn't get much response from that either, and that's when I begin to think, you know what? Maybe it is just me. Maybe it's just super sensitive Mary who can't deal with life, you know, and everything is so horrible. And that really bothered me. But then I thought, damn it, wonder if it is just me. Wonder if I'm the only one that's bothered. So what? I, my life has value. My peace is worth something here. So I really didn't have any other options, so I just began leaving. I didn't spend time at the house because I was just, I was frazzled. I was so frazzled, so I would go to the park, or I'd find other things to do during the day. And then at nighttime, I had a friend, I have a friend who lives out in, way out in North Plains, and she has a separate uh, building on her property, which she uses as an office. It has a futon. She said, any time. She showed me where the key is. Any time to any night, just come on out. And you can stay there. And I began going out there quite a bit. The thing was, even that being away from home like that didn't give me peace because there was always the anticipation of going back and having to deal with that. So even when I was away from home, I was still like 
agitated, you know, that nervousness, that queasiness in your stomach and it jumpy. And I was really going downhill. I wasn't sleeping. I was, I was, I would swing from being depressed to being angry and just always this, this agitation, no peace. It was like it was when I was a child, anticipating going home, what I'm going to find. There's going to be a big fight going on. Am I going to get slapped around? What? So, um... There was one night when I decided I'm going to try something else. And even though I was really afraid to do it, I decided I was going to try to do a peaceful protest. So, I worked for Martin Luther King, right? <laughs> so I went across the street. It was a warm night. They had the door wide open, and both of the guys were sitting right in front of the door. I could see them. So I stood on the parking strip directly in front of that front door, and I just stared at the house. And, for, and then after a few minutes, they saw me. Michael comes out, and he says, Mary, what do you want now? And I didn't say a word. I didn't even look at him. I just stared straight ahead. And he kept saying things to me like, well, what do you want? What do you want? And I didn't say a word. And he got really agitated. He'd go inside, and he was pacing back and forth and looking out to see if I was still there. <laughs> and then I began to uh, walk very slowly back and forth on the sidewalk in front of their house. And because I was so nervous, I thought, well, I'm going to start praying. So may you know joy. May you know peace. May you know what great worth your life is. May you know that you're loved, and may that bring peace to your heart. And as I continued to do that, I got more and more peaceful, and they got more and more agitated. <laughs> I could hear them inside the house yelling and throwing things, and I'm like, this is really interesting. May you know joy. May you know peace. <laughs> and, uh, and then Michael comes out on the porch, and he says, why are you harassing us? I'm going to call the police. <laughs> oh, the irony. Oh, the irony. So I did this for about 20 minutes. May you know joy. May you know peace. And eventually, he slams the door, and they turn the music off. It was such a victory. I knew it was a small victory, but I'll take what I can get. You know, it just, it, this, I, this is good. But, you know, that was a one-time thing. The next day, the music was even louder. I, I, I figured that was their revenge. And um, I, I mean, I was, I was losing it. So that night, I was not walking peacefully and saying, may you know joy, may you know peace. I was pacing, and I was saying, may you burn in hell, may you die a horrible death, may curses of all the generations come upon you. And then I went to the window, and I shouted as loud as I could, turn down your fucking music, you selfish son of a bitch! Oh my God, it was like, oh no, this has happened. It's come to this. After years of developing relationships with my neighbors, I'm the crazy neighbor who's yelling obscenities out the window in the middle of the night. Oh man. So I went and I got my, dad, my bag, which I always kept packed to head out to North Plains again. I got in the car, and as I'm backing out of the driveway, Michael's in the middle of the driveway, end of the driveway. 
Mary, yes, Michael, I just want you to know my, I, my feelings are really hurt. You really hurt my feelings. <laughs> he said, you called me a selfish son of a bitch. You said I'm selfish. And I said, Michael, the only reason I did that is because you are a selfish son of a bitch. Now get the hell out of my way before I run you over. And then I said, no, 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 just wait, wait. Just stay right there. Let's just end this right now. Let's just end this. I wanted to run him over. Because for months, for months, I had these thoughts, these obsessive thoughts over and over in my mind. It's like, I can burn the house, Tom. I could break into the house or, or pay somebody else to do it and steal their sound system or murder. <laughs> So stay there and, no, but I didn't. I let him live another day. The next morning, my husband, Willie, comes to me and says, Mary, this can't go on. This, you're a mess. You're unhappy. You're miserable. We have to move. And I felt so guilty because here it is. It's my problem. I'm the only one with the issue, and I'm ruining his life. Because he loved Northeast Fort, and I absolutely loved it. He lived 10 minutes. He could walk to his church 10 minutes. He had his man cave in the shed out in the back with his uh, everything all hooked up. He could do his art out there and his music. I mean, he, you know, he loved, this, he loved Northeast Portland, and I felt so bad. Plus, we had a very, very small house, 1,200 square feet, and even with gentrification, I didn't think we were going to be able to afford to move. But we got a real estate friend of his, uh, crunched the numbers for us, did some research, and he said, you know, if you, if you want to not live in Northeast Portland, you can, you can do very well. He says, as a matter of fact, you can't live anywhere near this whole area, but if you want to move out to the suburbs, you can do really well. You can get a lot of house for what you could get for your little house. So that's what we ended up doing. We ended up... Um, moving to the outskirts of Aloha on the urban growth boundary. Two minutes, I'm in the country. Willie loves it. He has a big yard where he can do his gardening. We have found a very nice house on a quiet tree-lined street. We have a nice, large, quiet backyard. And Willie's very happy there. I'm very happy there. And uh, it, it just worked out so well. And I don't know whether he's still bumping his music over there in northeast Portland, but as for me, on a lovely day, I'm out in my backyard with my coffee, my book, and my dog.